All right. Uh, welcome to the Two Our Gathered Catholic Podcast with Father Rob Kroll and me, Jim Fellows. Father Rob, how are you doing today? Hey, good morning, Jim. I'm doing pretty well. It's a sunny day, a mild day here in Milwaukee. How are things up in Minnesota? It's, uh, it's chilly. It's not horrible. It's all right. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm recovering from Black Friday. That... Uh-huh. Yeah, I that's avoid a, that like the plague. That's not true at all. We didn't do anything okay. for Black Friday. <laughs> so I was having I was having a conversation with a couple people who called me up and wanted to talk about our podcast. Oh. Yeah, and uh, one uh, friend of mine uh, just finally she teaches theology in, in 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 Iowa, and she listened to three of our podcasts in a row. Wow, she's a glutton for punishment. I would not recommend that to anybody. But she was like cleaning, <laughs> and she thought, "Well, I'll just I'll put uh, fellows on and see what he's got to say." Mm-hmm. So um, she was she was uh, she was very obviously. You know, we didn't lose her after the first one, so that's good. no, no, that's encouraging. And then a, a buddy of mine off the East Coast called me up, and he's like, "You are way too mean to Father Rob." <laughs> I figured if I no, if I'm going to dish it out, I have to be willing to take it. I'm like he, I, he gives I, it back I to me. And he's like, well, he should. You're you're really mean to him. He should dish it back. <laughs> like, wow. He's, he's probably just not used he's to a hearing priest. a priest who has a sarcastic sense Still, of humor. You, gonna, I'm like, yeah, he's a priest, but he's a Jesuit. I mean, it's you know, uh, you can pick on the Jesuits. So am I Catholic? <laughs> Am I still Catholic? We're going to have that podcast. The All Conspiracies right. of the Jesuits. And mm. We're going to talk about that maybe someday. I'd have to kill you, though, if I talked about that it. That might be true. Um, all right. Well, what a fun start to our podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to talk about today? Well, you know, how about liturgical music and the value of having good music at our masses and liturgical celebrations. What do you think, Jim? Well, considering that's what we've been preparing for, I think it's a great <laughs> idea. Excellent. I knew you'd like it. And yeah. what our listeners may not know is that you yourself are a very gifted musician, including liturgical musicians. Oh, well, so you. you're going to have a lot of expertise and insight well, okay. Uh, well, experience. We'll go with experience. I don't know about expertise <laughs> and insight. Um, and I've never uh, played guitar at one of the masses that you've celebrated. We've never been able to make no. that work. No, we haven't. Is that, no. is that on, by choice? <laughs> well, considering that we're in different states, I think it's going to be tough. We weren't always. Anyway. Oh, yeah, that's true. But we didn't have a... liturgical music at... The retreat house where I was. No, that's true. There. there wasn't any music so, there. No. But as a Jesuit, you, uh, you, there's a rich heritage of you can. We can discuss whether it was good or bad, but um, <laughs> there, there's yes, a, the St. Louis Jesuits yeah. is what you're referring to. Yes, there were a group of um, American Jesuits who, uh, for many years, uh, they re- they recently disbanded, retired, but um, for many years they produced some of the most familiar liturgical music uh, that's known in the English-speaking world. Why don't you name them all? 
Oh my gosh! Wow. <laughs> or some? Can you name any off the top of your head? <laughs> well, uh, how about on Eagles' wings? Oh no, that's not. No, that's, that's not. Michael. That's Father Michael John. Yeah. Cristino. Who's a really Be not good afraid. Guy. Be not afraid. Yep, you're right. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure our listeners have heard. Sing to the mountains. That's a shooty Sing tune. Sing to the mountains. Right. No, there's a lot of them. If uh, if people have at their parishes the glory and praise hymnal, which many parishes probably still From do. From thirty years ago. Um, right. Forty. You'll find a lot of those in there. So Father Dan Shooty. Yeah. Uh, Father. Um, uh, oh, I lived with him. Foley, father. You lived uh, with Foley. I, I did live with Foley. Yeah, and the novitiate. He was. He was on. He was on staff or living with us. Uh, in a, while he was doing all the composing and everything, he was living at the novitiate at the time. And what do you think um, of Father Foley? Father Rock O'Connor. Yeah, Rock O'Connor. There's another name. Right. Right. Would you, what do you think of uh, Foley? They're, oh, they're all. They're all fine men. They're all. They're all. Uh, <laughs> Good priests and, and funny and and yeah when, they're good. Oh, Father Bob Duffer yep. is another one. No, that's another so, one. Um, yeah, and there was just a huge amount of music that those guys put out uh, in yeah. the '80s. That's yep. you know st- still gets played today in some places. But um, when I was uh, in college and I was getting my minor in music, and I was focusing on liturgical music, I was playing. Um, weekly masses, and then I was on call for the weekend masses, and um, and and Foley was uh, Father Foley, excuse me, didn't mean mm-hmm. to be rude. Father John Foley, Father John Foley um, was on staff at a sister college, and I took oh. um, a liturgical composition course from him. Oh wow! Liturgical music what, composition. What was he like? I don't know him as a professor. What was he like? Well, that was interesting. <laughs> Because it was, well, first of all, it was just me and him. It was oh, like, that was okay. the that was the only, you know, wow. there wasn't anybody else in the room. And he had this. It was like your private tutor. Kind of. It was, it was an, it was, I had approached him. There was a, a liturgical composition course that I couldn't take um, because it just conflicted with some stuff that I had to, other classes that I had to take. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I asked him if he'd be open to doing uh, for a four-credit course, but an independent study. He's like, yeah, we could do that. And uh, so every week, I would uh, go over to the uh, St. Catherine's campus and go to the music department. And, and Father Foley had um, an office that was, it wasn't huge, but it, mm-hmm. it had a grand piano in it wow. and a beanbag chair. Excellent. No lava lamp, though, <laughs> no, probably. I might have put it out later. but <laughs> And then I would come wow. in, and I would play stuff for him. And he would sit every week. I just remember this. He would mm-hmm. sit uh, in the beanbag chair, uh, <laughs> slowly consuming peanut M&Ms. Oh, my. And telling me how I was taste. never going to be a liturgical <laughs> composer. <laughs> I would bring in like song after song. It's a humbling experience, but I, you know, every week I'd come in and I'd bring in a new piece that I was trying to. New piece. Maybe like yeah, it's no. Did you ever get any of those published? No, because he said they all were terrible. Yeah, there was one song that I played that he was like, you know what? That's all right. I like that. That's got some. That's got some potential. It's got a beat, and I can dance to it. No, that's not. (laughs) 
<laughs> Do you know that um, he may be the biggest night owl I know because I can still remember this from Novitiate. He would literally stay up till like four or five in the morning, and then he'd get up around noon. So that was kind of his typical rhythm. So I, he's he, a would, real, he he's wouldn't an remember artist. me. So, he is. Know, he would not remember me from. Uh, we, is that right? That, is that the right expression? They beat to their own drum. No, they yeah. march to their own. March to their own drum, drum beat. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're unique. They're kind of unique. He is. He is definitely a unique dude. Um, yeah, he is. And he, I, you know, it's been thirty years, and he wouldn't know me from it. I don't. He, I don't know where he is, or I'm, I'm assuming he's still alive. Yes. Oh, good. But he's quite elderly now. Yeah. He, I thought he was really. And he wasn't yeah. wrong in his assessment <laughs> of my compositions. Mm. He was not uh, incorrect on any of that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so like my uh, college days, I spent uh, many hours a day playing guitar, and um, mm-hmm. my prof- uh, my guitar instructor um, was especially interested in liturgical music. And uh-huh. so it was like ninety percent of the stuff that I was playing for him was on, was with a liturgical bent, and because of the fact that I started this in my you know my college days, and mm-hmm. I carried I carried on, and I was working at the church, and I was I was playing for the church, and I've you know I've been playing masses since I was uh, sixteen years old, and I've gotten wow. into a lot of discussions with people about. Um, not so much discussions as heated arguments about <laughs> right. whether or not uh, guitar is an apt uh, instrument for uh, liturgy, and, mm-hmm. and like what's mm-hmm. what is uh, what can we consider to be um, appropriate music for liturgy and and appropriate instruments for liturgy, and and what is right. it? Is that right. closer to what you were thinking we were going to talk about today? I think so. Yeah, something along those lines. What do you want to talk about? Well, you just kind of mentioned, okay. it, you know, All right. like, yeah. What what are the appropriate melodies? What are the appropriate instruments? You know, what's the purpose even of uh, liturgical music? What's it supposed to be doing when we're, especially? I think for most people, we're thinking about mass. You know, like we have all these different hymns right. and. Uh, chants and things so what's all that supposed to be doing for us and how well how well does uh contemporary liturgical music uh do that so yeah that that'd be kind of good to talk about. all right where you want to start well um i mean you mentioned that you've had a lot of these discussions slash debates and uh so do you want to maybe launch with a little bit of the parameters or or what what, what are some of the typical um you know, issues that arise in these debates that you've had? Well, the the church has spelled out in several documents what is uh, appropriate and what isn't appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and I think pe- a lot of people who haven't read into this would be surprised as to what um, what the church has stated there or banned um, if, if, if from, from <laughs> playing at the church. But right. um, the, the documents um, talk about how uh, the pipe organ, not just any organ, it's got to be a pipe organ, um, is, has pride of place within the Catholic Church. It's been declared to be the, the most preferred instrument. Um, after that, uh, just doing some sort of a cappella 
you know, psalmody or or Gregorian chant or you know, mm-hmm. things like that are are also preferred. By the way, and this is interesting, uh, and you may not know this, Father, but our our structure of Western music that we take for granted mm-hmm. was was created. Um, by the Gregorian monks that came up with the chants. Hmm? Yeah. yeah. You knew that? I, I think along, well, I think somewhere along the way in my formation. And No, <laughs> no, I think you and I are among the very few boring uh, people that uh, actually know know this, but it's good for people to, to hear. But the do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do... Is, that's the sound of music. No, that's uh, that, uh, that's the starting note for... Uh, eight Gregorian chants or seven yep. Gregorian chants. That's the starting note. Okay, and they go up. Um, so the scale that we use in Western music is based on Gregorian chant. Gregorian, the Catholic Church. Uh, it's it's very fair to say that the Catholic Church uh, created uh, Western music. Yeah, that's that's an exalted claim. But I would agree. And, it's an exalted um, claim. I think so. Okay. I mean, actually, the, yeah, I think a lot of people wouldn't have wouldn't have thought of that. Um, but it's so let's say it's the original. It was born in the Catholic Church. How about that? Right, right. And you know, we should probably clarify that we call it Gregorian chant because, Jim. Yeah, I'm listening. Go it, ahead. It, oh, I thought I, I was giving you an <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> I thought here to jump you in. thought I dozed um, off. No, I'm. I am. I am <laughs> no, on the edge of my seat, Father. No, I wanted you to shine. I wanted you to run with this, but I'll I'll go ahead and say. Go for it. it. So, um. Pope Gregory, yeah. the first of the first. We don't use the first because anytime you like, it isn't like Pope Francis the first. It's just Pope Francis. Right. If there's a second, then he'll be Pope Francis the second. But, uh, but Pope Gregory, way back in the ninth and tenth century time, he he's kind of the one that invented this chant, mm-hmm. and um, it has some roots kind of farther back in Roman chant. Well, I don't know. Chant and stuff. Would you say anyway. that Pope Gregory did the chants or the monks? That were uh, the or the the order of monks that were under Pope Gregory came up with this. Well, yeah, maybe that's probably more. Accurate. I don't think Pope Gregory was like sitting around being like, "Hey, <laughs> do Ray." No, I don't think he well, did. He may have. He was he was a very um, well. I was gonna say Renaissance man, but that doesn't make sense because he lived before the <laughs> Renaissance. But um, he was a very cultured man and very talented. So. Um, he could have. Anyway, I heard uh, it was months. He, he could have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's say the period of Gregory, which is like late 6th, early 7th century, basically. But, yeah, I'm not saying he invented it, but I think he provided the context and promoted it. He provided the resources to the people to create this music for the liturgy. Well said. Is that a fair way? Well I think that's a fair way. I, to I think it. so. I think that is fair. And and you know the 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 chant's a beautiful thing to listen to and and it's hard to put guitar to it. Um, it is. You know, I've I've been working at this seminary in Milwaukee now for a couple of years, a little over two years, two and a half years about. And um, I have to say, you know, I uh, I appreciate the fact that here we do try to expose the uh, seminarians to this chant. We we use chant very often at our at our week at our daily masses. And in fact, uh, more recently, we've even gotten away from using like an opening hymn and a recessional hymn. And instead of using hymns, we've been tending to use like chants. Um, there's an opening uh, antiphon, 
at every Mass, I don't know, people probably wouldn't know this either, but the, in, in the what we call the sacramentary or the Roman Missal, to begin Mass, there's an antiphon, we call it. It's just a phrase uh, generally lifted from Scripture. It's the kind of thing that we also have right before the Gospel when we sing the Alleluia. There's another antiphon there. But what's kind of neat is we're taking these antiphons and we're, we're chanting them at our Masses here. And there's a real beauty to it. There's a simplicity. Um, you know, guys even that aren't gifted, trained musicians can sing it. And, um, and there's kind of a, I guess I would call it a sobriety, like there's a soberness to it, right. which I find uh, it's quite nice for like entering into prayer. And that might be one of the things, you know, that we can, that we can say is an important criteria is like whatever music we're using at Mass, is it actually helping us to pray? Or is it kind of, are we, and, and are we celebrating God? Or are we kind of celebrating ourselves? You know, that's another kind of maybe criteria. But anyway. Well, I was I was having a conversation with a deacon one time, uh, and his his statement was um, people primarily uh, belong to a church uh, for two reasons. One is the music, and two mm-hmm. is the quality of the homilies. Uh-huh. And he's not wrong. It, the the disappointing thing in that was, order, uh, yeah, actually in that order. <laughs> okay, um, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm fine. laughs> you're number two. No, no thank God, because my homilies are not so great. So uh, I'm glad it's the music. But the sad thing about it is, and he totally acknowledges this, is that the number one reason that we should be going to mass is Eucharist. That should be our right. number one reason, and everything right, else right. pales in comparison. Totally. Actually, and, and on retreats that I give, like the one that you were on up in Minnesota, whenever I give these weekend preach retreats, and I, I always talk about the Eucharist a, as part of the retreat, I emphasize just that, that even if all the music is off-key and horrible, even if the homily is not very uh, insightful, you know, it, in a sense... I mean, obviously, we should be working at all those elements, but in a sense, it doesn't really matter because what we're really there for is to hear the Word of God right. proclaimed, first of all, and then to, um, of course, receive the very body and blood of, of Jesus. So if that happens, uh, we're good. You know, that's, I mean, a lot, is already, a lot of grace is already available, even if the rest is subpar. There, there is a significant, and it's interesting because I get into these debates all the time, but there's a significant portion of uh, people who take liturgy very seriously, um, who yes. feel that the music in the past 40 years um, is not good. And right. they don't think that it should be used. Um, <laughs> and and that's, I've, I've been into discussions with those folks. And mm-hmm. like that, this is, and, and, and my whole thing is, my whole thing is if, if you were telling me that, if somebody says to me, um, I really prefer the organ and I really prefer chant and that really helps me feel more connected to God and a part of the Mass, wonderful. I, I have zero problems with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when somebody says that organ and chants are the only way Right, and it's the best, and that's the most sacred. I got a problem with the most sacred. Yeah, and we may not okay. see eye to eye on that, because I, I my whole feeling is if the Eucharist is there, th- then it's a sacred moment, and and whether or not you've got bad music or good music, 
Right. Um, I personally don't believe that the sacredness is depleted or raised based on mm-hmm. you know the music that's being played. People connecting with the with the mm-hmm. the, the liturgy, yeah, sure, I get that. I, sure. and, and but I think it's it's there's a lot of it that I think is based on personal preference, and then people come back to me and they're yeah. like. Like, well, but, you know, the organ is the only instrument that has pride of place with it. And it's like, well, that's true. You're not wrong. But um, the organ wasn't always accepted by the church. And, mm. and, and uh, Say more about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the big argument that people have with me is that uh, the guitar is considered a profane instrument in the church. Mm-hmm. And profane meaning... It's secular, which I wish they'd just say secular. I know the profane word is a little bit. <laughs> the profane yeah. is really insulting, but <laughs> but they're they're like, well, you know, the 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 organ is uh, is is has pride of place. It's a sacred instrument, and every church should have one. It's like, okay, um, well, I've played in churches in Guatemala and in Croatia and in very small churches, and mm-hmm. they don't have room for a pipe organ. So there's mm-hmm. that. Uh, There's that. But the, back to the organ thing, um, the organ was introduced to the church, and there's d- disputes on this and whether it came about in this, the uh, 7th century or in the 8th century. It's just a century difference. But um, a lot of people will give uh, Pope uh, Vitalian uh, the, uh, the credit for bringing in mm. the organ into the church. But prior to its use in churches... It was used in, in like, circuses. Oh, and the, the organ had been around for, you know, hundreds of years before it was ever introduced to the church. And, uh-huh. and you can't get a more secular, or there was other places that were probably not so friendly as the, the circuses. But, you know, circuses was the main exposure of people to the organ mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. then that translated over, and, pe- and then people mm-hmm. were like, well, let's bring this into the church. And I'm sure there was a lot of pushback at first. And then Pope Vitalian was like, you know what? This is all right. I like this. Yeah. I mean, we've had, uh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, like, um, I, I, I'll often compare it to um, coffee. That was considered, um, you know, the 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 drink of the pagans, and 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 you know, it's like nobody should drink coffee because this is, you know, the Turks have it, and, mm. and boo the Turks, and and then um, Pope Clement had a cup of coffee, and he's like, well, forget that, this is really good, <laughs> and and then he blessed coffee, and he's like, oh my goodness, the, did he have his own like brand or blend? Did he no, sell but he basically said, it? I will not allow the barbarians to hold on to something so wonderful as this drink. Right, and then right. Uh, so coffee became an approved drink, and and it was just based solely. So your on point is, we can take something that originally is, you know, what we would say secular or outside the church, and if if it can be kind of baptized, as it were. And we've done that with a lot of different things. Right. Uh, you know, even our vestments, like the um, stole, that, that uh, scarf-like garment that um, the priest and, and deacon wears. Like, originally that was just worn by Roman senators. Um, so, and then you stole Yeah, there are... We, oh, that's... <laughs> that so wow. Bad. I'm sorry. That is a groaner. I apologize. Um, <laughs> actually, no, that's pretty clever. I give you credit. That's really nice. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I, I see your point. And, and I think for me, like maybe the thing, you know, because I, I was born in 65, so I grew up in the 70s and 80s in Catholic grade school, Jesuit high school, also at, at Jesuit college. I, I grew up singing all of those glory and praise hymns. And and I have to say my own experience is, you know, I didn't really know anything different. Um, as I've gotten older, as I've really analyzed them, as I've been exposed to more chant and things, I, I my assessment is it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. You know, I find that some of them, either because of the melody or because of the lyrics or both, are really kind of silly, if not even at times somewhat heretical. I mean, I just think that we kind of, you know, in an effort uh, maybe after the council to um, make music that would be relevant to people more seemingly more relevant and especially to young people. I mean, I, I was telling you before we started uh, taping this podcast that um, when I was at, at Market High School here in Milwaukee, you know, we would often play at our school liturgies. We'd play rock and, and uh, you know, kind of like classic rock or pop right. hymns. And then when I was a young Jesuit, not ordained yet, but a Jesuit scholastic at Market High, I actually put together myself these, at that time it was, it was a uh, cassette tapes of music that could be used at these liturgies. And again, I, I was looking for, you know, good lyrics, but I, I would borrow, you know, uh, James Taylor or, or Bruce Springsteen or something that seemed to have, you know, some way I could find God within it. And then we'd play these things at mass. So again, I think the intention was good. You know, we, we thought, oh, maybe the organ and these chants would be too highfalutin or too distant from adolescence experience. But I think the problem is we kind of um, often settled for things that were artistically pretty awful sometimes right. and that we didn't really challenge the young people. I, I think young people today anyway, I think they're if they're going to be Catholic, they're already they already realize they're kind of countercultural. They're already kind of stepping out of the mainstream culture. And I think they're looking for things that kind of make for a more mysterious um, and, and beautiful experience. I think that's why the Latin Mass, which I, I'm personally not, I don't celebrate the extraordinary rite, but a lot of younger people seem to be enamored with Latin Mass in part because, you know, Latin is a different language and, and the experience of the liturgy is like you're taking a person out of the, if you can call it the profane or secular realm and, and, and bringing them very much into the sacred. And then there's also this whole uh, love for tradition and all of that, right. which which is fine. But anyway, but I think you're right. It's like we can't we can't wholesale say that you know it's it's all bad or or just because you have a guitar and a piano and a flute at mass that, that somehow that's inappropriate. Um, it's it's again, how do you use these instruments tastefully and well? Well, and I think how you know it, there was back in the '70s there was guitar masses all over the place. And yeah. mm -hmm. the reality was they weren't very good guitarists. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's completely different from the guy that I listened to at St. Michael's playing guitar, uh -huh. you know, who, who studied the instrument for, you know, four years or more. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like uh, just spent hours, like I did. I spent hours of playing yeah. every day when I was in college. Right, um, right, and and took it very very seriously, and and then there's people who will like buy a guitar and they'll just be like, they'll learn three chords and then they'll they'll be like, hey, let me go play a mass, which, I I applaud the effort, yeah, um, and I learned a lot from playing uh, at liturgies, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, it's you gotta, it, it's it's just gotta be with the right sense. Uh, conversely, right, 
I've had uh, I've played with other musicians who were amazing musicians, mm-hmm. but did not play liturgically. Oh, interesting. They would they would like they they would start playing piano, and there was one guy that I would tease him that he uh, loved. Um, all the keys on the piano so much that he wanted to make sure that every single one of them was included in every song. Um, but okay. it wasn't a little liturgical feeling. Like you, when, no, when you're a musician no. for and you're at Mass, if your focus isn't on the Eucharist, if your focus is not on trying to provide an atmosphere that allow people to connect to it, um, mm-hmm. it's not about entertainment. It was, it was it Father Mike Schmitz is like, don't go to mass to be entertained. That's not the reason you're right. there. No. And and a lot of people confuse that with the music thing. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. let's entertain them with the music, and then they'll right. stay at mass. And that's the worst possible idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, a church. Mm-hmm. Well, I go to mass now, and there's no music. And 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 I mm. the church that I'm going to, not in a million years would they take the acoustic style of guitar that I've learned and I've become proficient at and ever apply that to maybe i don't think that they would they've never done it before Mm. and i'm fine with that that's what do they do then what do they do there right now we got nothing because of covid because singing to jesus is the most dangerous thing in the world right now (laughs) right right. (sighs) whoever thought that um but they would have um they would have there was uh, some nuns that would come in and sing chant um, they, this, uh, the Jared, this guitarist, um, would mm-hmm. play on Saturdays and he would do just a very simple, uh, arrangement, um, and, and play. And then someone would sing with him on, you know, some very traditional hymns okay. and it was, you know, it was beautiful. It was good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, mm-hmm. it, nobody's, um, you know, the king of glory was never, you know, that's never going to get right. played in my church. <laughs> who's the who's the host of uh, tonight's show now again? Uh, the guy, the comedian. Uh, no, you're the, thinking of Stephen Colbert. Yeah, yeah, Stephen Colbert. And the dance, oh, yeah, the yeah. dance thing that he yeah, does yeah. to Isn't the King hilarious? of Glory. And that is, oh my God. that is, if you haven't seen this, go to oh, YouTube, yeah, you go. type in Stephen Colbert, <laughs> Stephen Colbert, King of Glory, King of Glory, and then have a box of tissues next to you because you will be laughing. <laughs> So hard. It's it's that's so funny, but right. and and there's a you know there's a, a lot I've met a lot of uh, composers, um, and there are some that just write to elevate themselves, mm-hmm. and people love their music, and it's like all right that's fine. And then there's there's a lot of them that just they write to um, praise God, and mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, you know, I think, and that's you know, awesome. you're mentioning it. Praise God. I mean, we were saying uh, earlier today that, uh, you know, we we often talk about kind of the vertical and the horizontal dimensions to every mass. Right. So, you know, when we go to mass, our primary purpose is to praise God. It is to worship God, and so there's that kind of vertical dimension between myself and God, and. Uh, but there's also the horizontal aspect because um, when I'm there, I, I mean, I may not be ch- chit-chatting with all these people around me, but we are there as a com- community, as a parish family even. We talk about that. We're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So we do want to somehow acknowledge that um, we're not just these isolated, uh, atomized individuals at Mass, but we are 
uh, a community, and so there's a horizontal dimension. And I think the music can, again, if it's done well, if the poetry is right, if the um, theology is right, right, we can we can emphasize the fact that yeah, we're not saved alone either. I mean, we're we're in this together. So how you kind of find the right balance between the vertical and the horizontal? I've been at masses, and um, and this you know again the intention is nice, but I've been at masses where. Literally, the sign of peace, which we don't have anymore right now because of COVID, right. but when we did have it, um, it would it could take like 10 minutes, and people would get out of their pew and walk around. And like to me, at that point, you've just lost, you know, you're, you're celebrating too much now, the community. This isn't meant to be a, a picnic, you know. And, and yet, you know, again, we don't want to like ignore the person who's next to me and behind me either. And... Uh, so it's always, I think it is, a lot of it is about finding the right balance in all of this. You know? I think that, and and this is the whole thing that I bring up with people who want to argue that traditional music and, and is, is the only form. I don't think that, well, one, that's a ve- very Western European view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the church is a global Glo- church. Global, yeah. Mm-hmm, um, right. and, and, you know, the other, the other part, and not a lot of people know this, but the piano has been specifically banned from being played at churches. Mm-hmm. And you can go into, mm-hmm. well, not the most conservative churches, because I, I haven't been into like uh, churches that celebrate the Latin Mass, um, but I've been to some churches that are would be considered more orthodox than other churches, and you'll still find a piano in there. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I don't know if that ban has been abrogated since uh, the well, 60s. We have a piano in our chapel here, although yeah. we don't really use it. But. And, and there's so there's all sorts of stuff. It's like, yeah, this has been declared, you know, unusable, and then yet we do. Which you know, yeah. it's just that's the nature of church too. I mean, it's a it's a growing, living the the liturgy is a living thing. That that um, has has roots and has history that needs to be honored, but that also um, grows in light of the culture that it's in. Uh, you know. I- no, I. You know, I remember when I was in theology studies. This would have been I was ordained in '99, so it would have been the late '90s out in Boston. Uh, one of our professors was a Paulist priest, Father. Uh, Thomas Kane, and he actually traveled around the world. He was a liturgist, and he went around the world and, and basically videotaped liturgies in various cultures, and he called it uh, the dancing church. But especially in Africa, I remember these scenes of beautiful, like especially the women, they were very, as you may know, they were very colorful, dyed costumes, right. you know, uh, and and there was the, these beautiful images of them, like, processing up with the bread and the wine at the offertory, coming up the aisle, and they were kind of swaying. I mean, they weren't going crazy, but they were kind of swaying and moving forward, and, and, and you could hear the uh, drums and some of the native African instruments being played. And again, I thought it was very, like, tastefully done. It wasn't super raucous, you know, but at the same time, they were definitely incorporating African rhythms, and there was African, um, I don't know, even a little bit of dance, I call it, you know, sure. kind of, like I said, the swaying. So my point being, I'm just reinforcing what you're saying, is that I think, um, you know, that where the where the church now is coming out with these documents on music and chant and so forth, it is admittedly quite a Western, you know, viewpoint, and and, and I think, again, I would support, like, I know Pope Benedict was very big. He wrote The Spirit of the Liturgy, and he was very big on kind of getting away from, I think, some of the aberrations that took place in the 70s and 80s after the Council, and, and I would support that. But, but that doesn't mean 
that you have to squelch all the other ethnic um, musical forms and so forth. And in fact, I think when, when the popes, like I think especially Pope John Paul II, but but Benedict too, when they traveled around the world, you know, they 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 had liturgies happening in those cultures in Asia and Africa, and they they um you know they were exposed to all that. They they participated in that too when they were there. Well, John Paul II when he started the um you know the the World Youth Day celebration mm-hmm. yeah. and he'd celebrate mass and there's the pope and there's three guitarists yeah. sitting next to him <laughs> right exactly. right so it's like you know yes and i've seen him i saw him with, an, with a native american headdress on you know once yeah, when he was okay. visiting uh, yeah. in canada yeah. right. so i mean you know i mean well, they, they did try to enculturate so <laughs> i don't know about the headdress thing but oh um, no, it's true okay i've seen i didn't make it i don't up. i don't I think you made it up either i just i'm not sure that's uh, <laughs> you know Apropos to this. So global music. I got a funny story about global music. I know we're running out of time, okay. but uh, I got to share this. So I was, uh, I was in 93, I was living in a small village in Guatemala. And um, I would, one of the things that the, the priest had asked me to do who was running the mission was to work with the musicians um, that were playing for mass. And, and they, had, um, they had two marimba players, and several guitarists and a bassist that were doing, and then they okay. would all sing. So I would, I would work with them about because, and none of them could take any formal music training. So um, at night when they weren't working and I wasn't working, I'd I'd go through and we'd work on lessons in my horrible Spanish, and put this all together. And um, I became really good friends with uh, the director of the choir who had been formally trained and was a teacher in the local high school and was teaching music. Mm-hmm. And uh, his name was Juan Tune, which I thought was really appropriate. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, and we became friends and I'd go to his house, which was a big deal in, in Guatemala. You don't just, you know, mm. you don't invite anybody to your house. Um, sure. But there was one time when Juan comes racing up to me and he's like, Jaimito, Jaimito. That's what they called me down there. They called me Jaimito. Uh-huh. Uh, he's like, I was outside of the evangelical church. I was walking by and I heard these angels and they were singing the song and it totally captivated me. And I couldn't Ooh. hear what the words were, but I, I got the melody and, and I knew that, that, that the Holy Spirit was, was calling me to write a song based on this melody. I'm like, that's fantastic, Juan. I mean, I can't wait to hear it. So um, we go back to his house and he plays it for me and it's a beautiful song. Um, it's called... Probably one we're all familiar with. It, no, it was called Three Times Holy, the, the words that he added to it. Okay. And it was, okay. it literally was set to the tune of Hang On Sloopy. So... <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to bite my tongue on this one. And just (laughs) so we would, and it became one of the most popular songs in this community. (laughs) Tres Veces Santos uh, sung to the tune of Hang On Sloopy. (laughs) And I'd be playing it. Right up there with them, I'd be. I was in that, the. Is that the, the one that goes? Hang on, Sloopy, hang on. Yeah, that that's the one. one. Oh, it's that's it's a, a different oh melody than you've chosen, but yes, <laughs> that is it. <laughs> but wow. but then you know again, like I get, I get, you know, the argument of I'm going to transform mass to my tastes, which I think is right. wrong. 
But if I'm going to incorporate the culture into mass to better um, celebrate with people and to bring um, you know more unity, I, right. I think that's perfectly acceptable. I think that's the, yeah. and I think the church feels that way too because they're very. No, I think so. The, doc, the documents and, you know, also spell that the, the culture plays a part in all this. Well, and, and if I can make this little nuance, I think even within the mass itself, like I could see, for example, uh, a recessional hymn that would have a certain uh, vibrancy and it might be, you know, almost like one you'd, you'd feel tempted to clap to or something because you're leaving church at that point. I think within the Eucharistic prayer, like while, you know, while the elevation is happening and so forth, I think that, you know, there's a, there's, there's a call for maybe a more, a little more sobriety and subdued um, music during that part of the Mass. So I think it isn't enough just to say the Mass or liturgical music, but even like within the Mass, there are different moments where different, different things are happening. And I think it's okay to say that maybe a, as, a, as an opening hymn and maybe as our recessional hymn, we have something that's kind of lively. And, and, and yet then during the, um, you don't want to have you know, responses uh, during the Eucharistic prayer that are going to be so raucous that they kind of take away from the, maybe the sacredness of sure. that moment. So I don't know. Does that kind of make sense? It you does. Having... I, I don't know. Did we, did we, uh, did we think, solve I anything? Uh, I don't know about that, but I think we brought up some interesting <laughs> uh, points for reflection and thought. And so I think so. I think we can kind of wrap it up. Okay. I think I know you, you, you've got a product that you want to talk well, about. Well, I do, but I, it, I, I also want to mention that if uh, people want to like read more of what the church talks about, um, in the in the encyclicals, you can look up Musicum Sacrum. Um, you can there's there's a few of them. This one's a good one though. Uh, mm-hmm. And even the the conciliar document from Vatican II, right. the the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy has some good points in there. So, Sacrosanctum yeah, Concilium. I was concilium. about to mention mm-hmm. that one as well. Excellent. Excellent. And then uh, the where the piano was banned is. Uh, um, tra la sola I can't pronounce Solicitudine. Yes. From Pope Pius <laughs> way back in nineteen. Can't play the piano, but that might have changed. Because that's, you know, that is what it is. Uh, but yeah, let's, uh, as, as long as we're on the topic, um, uh, there is a podcast because we love asking you to go and listen to other podcasts in case you want to stop listening to us. Um, <laughs> but there's a podcast that's being put out that is super geeky and it's totally dedicated to liturgical music. And it's called Open Your Hymnal and it's at openyourhymnal.com. Uh-huh. Um, it's run by, it was started up by um, a, a guy named Matt Reichert. And Zach Stakowski, I think that's, <coughs> excuse me, how you pronounce it. I don't know if it's okay. a hard C-H or a soft C-H. Um, but uh, Zach and Matt do this thing on a regular basis. And this is, honestly, one of the best done, it's the best produced podcast I've heard. <laughs> okay. They don't do like this, you know, this Q&A and this interview. They, I mean, they, they go and they, they talk with... 
um, modern day uh, composers and and talk about Ooh. the music and talk about their influences. But but mm-hmm. the way that the podcast is set up, it's not like a Q and A thing. Like, hey, what do you think? What were you thinking about when you were writing this song? Um, and it just it flows in between like samples of their music, and then they talk about their music, and then uh, uh, Matt and Zach will talk about the music that they're listening to and their thoughts on it. Really, really well done. And if you like, yeah. uh, if 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 you have any affection for liturgical music, if you're missing liturgical music at all. If your church isn't playing it right now, like my church isn't playing it right now, um, go to openyourhymnal.com. They also, I don't mean to rant about this, but I think this is absolutely cool. Um, They started a, they've had a camp going, uh, a summer camp that goes for a week. And um, churches can send their teens who are involved in or want to be involved in liturgical music to liturgical music camp. Wow, that's nerdy, but I love it. Oh my gosh, it's absolutely amazing. I've gone uh, and spent like a day or so at, at uh, it's called One Call. Um, uh-huh. And again, COVID, who knows. But the, the intention and giving these uh, teens the opportunity to go and learn and learn the history of it and be able to play this and be able to compose stuff and and mm-hmm. and actual uh liturgical composers um are the ones who uh are the faculty on this whole week so it's really oh, okay it's really cool i think that's interesting Excellent. so open your yeah. go and listen to awesome. matt and zach and and uh, uh, geek out it's pretty cool you want to close this out with a prayer? How about you sing a prayer, sure. Father? Why don't you sing oh one this week? Oh, my gosh. Um, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. How's that? <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a meal prayer. No, I don't think I'll sing, but I will, I will lead us in a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So, Heavenly Father, we're grateful for all the blessings that you shower upon us, having just celebrated Thanksgiving. We uh, thank you for this uh, country in which we live and all the blessings it affords us. We thank you for the beauty of music, and we ask that uh, in our church we might always honor you and worship you with, with good and beautiful music. Please bless us as we enter into this holy season of Advent so that we can better prepare for your Son's coming into our lives more deeply. And may God bless all of our listeners. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. You're welcome, Jim. Thank you. Have a great week. Have a good good week, folks. Thanks for listening.